God has appointed these in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healing, helps, administrations, varieties of tongues. All are, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles, do all have gifts of healings, do, not, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret, but earnestly desired the best gifts, and yet I show you a more excellent way. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity we all have to come together and worship you together this morning, Lord Jesus. And uh, at this time, we commit to you, Jobin, as he comes up here to give the word. Help us all to receive it uh, with willing hearts and to learn more about the gifts that you have instilled in all of us, Lord Jesus. And uh, we pray this will draw us closer to you in every way, Lord Jesus. In your most holy name we pray. Amen. Good morning, church. Um, Just wanted to let you all know that I'm very much under the weather. So I request all of you to uphold me in your personal prayers. <clears throat> Let's pray that the sickness would not become a stumbling block for what God wants to speak to each and every one of us. <clears throat> and also may the grace of God be sufficient enough, uh, not only for me, but also for each and every one of us as we hear from the Holy Word of God. Can I encourage all of you just to take a minute and just pray for me and for the Word, if you could do that right now. Thank you. <clears throat> so if you've been following along with me through the book of 1 Corinthians, and if you notice, we've been continually studying about spiritual gifts. What are spiritual gifts mentioned in the New Testament? And how can you and I uh, discover these spiritual gifts? And also, how is it that you and I can use the spiritual gifts in the local assembly of God? Now, if you remember, I want you to say it along with me as loud as you can. There are Four passages in the New Testament that talks about spiritual gifts. Number one is Romans chapter 12, a little more louder. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Ephesians chapter 4 and 2 Peter. It is very good. Okay, so it's 1 Peter chapter 4. These four (coughs) New Testament passages gives us a clear teaching of what spiritual gifts are. Now just to give us all a background, my desire is to look at each of these passages individually. Even though we look at these passages individually, certain spiritual gifts will appear over these passages that we see in the New Testament. So last month, if you remember, we had looked at Romans chapter 12. So if you could just take a minute and turn to Romans chapter 12. And can you remember what were the spiritual gifts that we had looked at in Romans chapter 12? Anyway, just for our easiness, it will appear on the screen. But in Romans 12, we spoke about number one, Prophecy, we didn't discuss that. I said I'd take it up later. But after prophecy, we spoke about serving. We spoke about teaching. We spoke about encouraging. We spoke about contribution or giving. We spoke about the gift of leadership and also the gift of or the ability to show mercy. These are the spiritual gifts that we saw in Romans chapter 12. Today, we are looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And Joseph read to us from verses 27 to 31. 1 Corinthians, so if you could turn your Bibles with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 27 to 31. Now, before we go to the spiritual gifts, listen to me very carefully. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Apostle Paul stresses on the source of spiritual gifts. Who is the one who gives us spiritual gifts? Okay, and it's important for us to note who is the source of giving us spiritual gifts. 
Okay, now even though you and I know who is the source of spiritual gifts, it is not a gift that I can give to you. It is not a gift that you can lend to me. But even though we know it, it is good to refresh our memory. And almost three times, Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 12 reminds us that God is the source of spiritual gift. God is the source of spiritual gift. Now, you might be saying, well, Job and I know that, so what's important? Well, it is very important. And let me explain it to you. Because God gives me my spiritual gifts, I can't make a choice. Well, I can't say I would prefer to have this spiritual gift or I would prefer to have this gift. Listen to me. I'm comfortable in exercising this gift. Sound familiar? Well, that is not possible for born-again believers because God is the one who chooses to give us. He is the source of all spiritual gifts. So our responsibility is to discover and use the gifts that God wants us to use. It is not you and I saying, well, I tried it, I failed, that might not be my gift. No. God is the supreme source and the author of the one who gives us spiritual gift. You look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, you look at verse 18. If you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 18, you look at the screen, it says, the word of God says, but in fact, can you say that red line with me? God has arranged the parts in the body. Every one of them just as he wanted to. Or in other words, God has given us spiritual gifts just how he desired it to be. Every single one. God is the one who has arranged that in the body of born again believers. Not only that, when you look at verse 24, again in 1 Corinthians 12, God has combined the members of the body and has given greater honor to the parts that lacked it. He is the one who combined. He is the one who's brought us together. Maybe there might be some of us who might not get an opportunity or are gifted to step. To stand in the front and speak. That's all right. Whether it is your gift of service, whether it is to be at the back, whether it will be unnoticed, it doesn't matter. God is the one who has combined it together. He is the author. He is the source. Not only that, in verse 28, God again says, and in the church, God is the one who has appointed. God is the one who has appointed. So can you say it as loud as you can? Who is the author of spiritual gifts? It is God himself. God is the one who has decided and God was the one who has, give us, who has given us certain gifts. Probably Nigel, you might have two. Probably, probably Lisa, you might have three. Uh, John, you might have four. Maybe Joash, you might have just one. But that doesn't matter. God is the source of those gifts and you and I need to learn to work together to exhibit these spiritual gifts for God's glory and for the edification of the church. So, let me stress on that again. Just because you and I are uncomfortable, just because you and I lose patience, just because you and I can't see anything good coming out of it, it does not mean that that is not my spiritual gift. You and I need to learn a very important word to discover spiritual gift and that is the word patience. That is not something that all of us are gifted with. You and I need to learn to be patient when we use our spiritual gift. Now, let me ask all of us a question. Now, if God is the author... Now, if God has orchestrated the whole team, and if God is the one who came up with the agenda, will there be any confusion in the church? Yes or no? Uh, Yes or no? No, there won't be, because God is the one who's orchestrated. If you and I were to decide what gifts to be given, then there would be chaos. But because God has brought us together, there won't be any confusion. There will not be any chaos. 
And will God overlook certain people in the church? No. Because the Bible very clearly teaches that he is a God who does not show favoritism. So all of us can sit with that encouragement that I am a brother or a sister who has at least one gift in my life. And therefore God desires from God's holy word that you and I should do everything in the church in a fitting and orderly manner. This is not something that I've made up. This is what the word of God says. If you don't believe me, I will show it to you. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verses 40, the word of God says, everything should be done with dignity and in proper order. If you look at 1 Corinthians 12, 13, 14, Apostle Paul is talking about the context of the abuse of spiritual gifts. He talks about the attitude of love and he puts it together and he says, whatever you do in the church, even if you exhibit your spiritual gift, do it in a dignified manner. Even if you discover a spiritual gift, stop making excuses. Even if you and I know what our gifts are, but you and I think, no, it doesn't matter. No, it matters to God. Everything should be done in a fitting and orderly manner. It is not just the use of spiritual gift, but the way you and I conduct ourselves in the church of God. You and I don't conduct ourselves based on the messages that our elders only send us on a Sunday morning to come here on time. That's not the only way. It is by the guidance of the Holy Spirit that you and I learn to behave properly. We learn to dress properly, speak properly, treat God's church in a dignified and orderly way. That is why there was confusion in the church at Corinth. That is why they were chaos. And that is why Apostle Paul had to write an epistle. Because people abused their gifts and people didn't understand how to conduct themselves when they came to God. They came to the presence of God. Now that, now that you and I have this background, can we come to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and look at verses 27 onwards. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verses 27 onwards. Now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. Sorry. And verse 28 onwards, if you read that very carefully, there are certain gifts that are mentioned there. Can you tell me what are the gifts that are mentioned there in the Bible? Can you say it as loudly as you can? Number one, louder. What is number one? Apostles. Number two, prophets. Number three, teachers. Number four, workers of miracle. Number five, the gift of giving. Oh, sorry, healing. Number six, sorry, the, the, the ability to help each other. Okay. And after that, the gift of administration. After that, the gift of tongues. So there are about eight gifts that are mentioned in this portion. Now before we go ahead, I want, you to give you, I want to give you a background on 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now when you read the four passages, like I said, Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians 4, uh, 1 Peter chapter 4, the gifts that are mentioned in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 are what we call as gifts needed to give birth to the church at that point of time in Acts chapter 2. You get that right? Yeah? These were gifts that were given to people that was needed to give birth to the church at that point of time in Acts chapter 2. Why is Acts chapter 2 very important? Because that was the day of Pentecost. That was the day that the Holy Spirit came on the disciples. That was the day that they shared the gospel. And 3,000 were added. They were baptized. And they joined with the local assembly. It gave birth to the church. And after that, God had given these gifts in 1 Corinthians 12 to give birth to the church. 
And then later stages, we see other gifts, such as teaching, encouraging, you know, giving, you know, contribution as gifts that are needed to establish and help the church grow. I'll explain this to you as we go ahead. But for that, I want us to turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Can we just quickly turn to Ephesians chapter 4? Ephesians chapter 4. And can we just look at verse 11? Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 11. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers. So Christ was the one who gave apostles and prophets. Now, combine these two verses and tell me which are the two gifts that appear here again. Can you tell me? Apostle and prophets. Very good. Now, I want you to look at that context because that's very important. Look at Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 20. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 20. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household. Build on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself, who is the chief cornerstone. So these are again called foundational gifts. The gift of apostleship or the gift of prophets or prophecy are called foundational gifts, which was given to God's people at that time for the birth of the church. That needs to be very clearly understood. Now, if you are thinking, Jobin, how can you see that? You look at the word that appears there. Foundation. Build on the foundation of the prophets and apostles. Not only that. You look at Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 5. You can just look at the screen, Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 5, which was not made known to men in other generations, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. Now, I want us to listen very carefully to what I'm talking about. Because I want to talk about apostles and prophecy or prophets today. And I hope and I desire that you clearly understand what I'm trying to say. If we have time, we will go ahead with the other ones. According to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, I want to talk about The gift of apostleship. Now listen to me carefully. These gifts refer specifically to the 12 disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ and also to a few others. Let me explain that. These are gifts that were given to the disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm very happy I found this picture because if you count it, I hope I counted right, maybe because I fever, I don't know. There are 11 people. And I believe that the apostleship or that gift was given to the disciples. Please stop counting. Listen to me. I shouldn't have mentioned it. Okay. These are gifts that were given to the apostles of the Lord Jesus Christ and also to a few others. Who are these few others? James, the brother of the Lord Jesus is called like that. Or or Barnabas. Have you heard of Barnabas? There was another guy called Apollos. And all of these people along with the twelve were given the gift of apostleship. Now, I don't want you to turn there. Just look at the screen. For example, when you read Mark chapter 3, here is where you find the word. Mark chapter 3 verse 14. And he appointed the 12, or as it says in the New Testament, and he designated them apostles. He appointed the 12 and he designated them apostles. And what should the apostle do? So that they would be with him, so that he could send them out to preach and have the authority to cast out demons. Now, you and I know that even though Judas was part of the circle of God, he made a different choice. He had a different career when it came towards the crux of the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. The only thing that he sought best to do was to buy a rope and to use it. That also he could not do properly. Because when you read the book of Acts, when he tied himself, that also slipped, he fell down and his intestines came out. That is not an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, do you remember who was chosen instead of Judas? A little more louder. 
Yeah, who is it? Matthias, that's actually right. When you read the word of God, you will read that in Acts chapter 1. They said, let us choose somebody who's been with us from the beginning. Who are with us to go out and preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Matthias was chosen to be an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then they cast the lots and the lots went to Matthias. Listen to me. So therefore, the gift of apostleship was designated people who were chosen exclusively by God to become apostles. Now this gift was necessary to establish or give birth to the church. But other gifts such as teaching, administration were needed to help maintain the church grow. What do, I, what do I mean by that? What do I mean by that? Well today, listen to me carefully. Apostleship is a gift that is unique and unrepeatable. Meaning, we don't refer to anybody today as Apostle Kevin. We don't refer to anybody as Apostle Rena. We don't refer to Jerry as an apostle because that is an office given to the disciples. But let me also add to that when you read the other spiritual gifts, there are other gifts that has taken over apostleship such as evangelism. Make sense? Let me give you another word. Missionary. Yes or no? Can you please knock your, no, I mean, shake your head? Yes? Well, those are the words that we use today. If I were to give you an example here itself, Rebichan is a good example. And Ashimama. They, are, they were missionaries who were sent by God to that particular place. And what should, an, what should a missionary or an evangelist do? Well, he who was with the Lord, that means their salvation experience, must be sent out to preach and have authority. They must be the ones who go out and take the gospel outside. But we don't refer to the office of apostleship today because it was a foundational gift that was given for the birth of the church. If you understood that point very clearly, can you loudly say yes? Oh, thank you. Number two, I want to talk to you about prophets or prophecy. You read 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27 onwards. It doesn't talk only about the gift of apostleship, but it talks about the gift of prophets or prophecy. I want us to turn to 1 Corinthians. Please look into your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. And can somebody read for me verses 3? 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and loudly read for me verses 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 14 verses 3. Mm -hmm. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, yeah, so that's what the word of God says. The, but the one who prophesies speaks to people for their, number one, edification. Number two, speaks for their exhortation. Number three, speaks the comfort of the people of God. Now listen to me carefully. When you read the New Testament, God had given certain people the gift of prophecy, which means they would speak the words of God because at that time the New Testament was not completed. So they would speak the words of God and whenever they spoke the words of God, it would edify it would exhort and it would comfort the people of God. It would comfort the people of God. Not only that, certain times in the New Testament we see how prophets or people of God with that gift revealed the will of God about a particular future event or a circumstance. Brother, sister, this might happen to you. They used to do that at that point of time. Now listen to me carefully as I make this teaching here in the church. Now when I say prophecy has been taken over with the teaching of God's word, I don't mean that nobody can speak through God today. No, that is not what I mean. If God wants to speak through to you through someone, God can choose to do that. I believe so. 
If God wants to speak to Liju and tell Liju, I want you to go and tell John about something because of the discernment that God has given him, he can do that. That's not what I'm trying to say. That has, that, that's not what I'm trying to explain. But I'm trying to say that that which was done in Acts chapter 2 onwards is today primarily seen through the word of God. You get what I'm trying to say? That means when I stand here right now, and as I'm talking to you right now, I am speaking God's prophecy. God's words. The thoughts of God, of God. What is there in the mind of God? I am exhorting you. I am edifying you. And I am giving you comfort from the word of God. And that is what I believe. That's what the word of God says about prophets or prophecy. Now, can you just think and tell me about a New Testament prophet? A prophet that appears in the New Testament. We know all the Old Testament prophets. Sorry? Agapus, yeah? If you read this verse, I managed to get a photo of that day. In Acts chapter 21, there was a prophet by the name of Agabus. And Agabus looked at Apostle Paul. And Agabus said, Paul, why don't you come here? God is telling me. And then he took out his belt, not to hit him, but to tie his hands. It's, writ- it's shown very clearly to tie his hands. And Agabus says, God has chosen that when you go, you will be caught, you will be tied. <coughs> and that was prophecy. That was something that God spoke to Apostle Paul through Agabus. There were people at that point of time. Now, did this discourage Apostle Paul? Yes or no? Yes or no? No. He said, not only to be bound, but I am also ready to die for the sake of the gospel. Wow. Now, that's a man of God. That's a man of God. I know there are many of us who are hesitant to share the gospel for this one exact reason. Well, what if people attack me? I can tell you, I've been doing this ministry for a very long time and I still fear when I go house to house. But if an Adi has to come, then let it come. We will see what to do after that. Why do we hesitate to go out and share the gospel if the price that you and I have to pay is to get beaten, tied, or even give up our life through the, to, in, for the sake of sharing the gospel? So prophecy is done in a lot of ways today from the word of God. Now listen to me carefully. God's desire is that his children through scripture will be receiving edification, exhortation and comfort from the people of God. That God will receive all of these things. That that God will give all of these things to his people through primarily the teaching of God's holy word. So apostleship is an office or a gift that was given to a few. It is, is not something that we believe that continues today. Prophecy, God can continue to do that. But also God speaks through God's holy word today. That should be of importance to me. That God's word should be of importance to me. Now whether it sees, when did it sees, what's happening today, I'm not concerned about that. I'm concerned more about how does God speak to my life through God's holy word. Let others fight about when it sees and when it started and all that stuff. I want to hear what God has to speak to me. Now, if you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27. Number one, apostles. Number two, prophets. And number three, can you look and tell me what does it say there in number three? Number three? We should be people who pray that God would allow us to discover the gift of teaching. That we would discover the gift of teaching. This is a gift that is given by God to God's holy people. Now listen to me carefully as I make this. As I mentioned to you, 
If you read Acts chapter 2 verses 41 onwards, those who received the gospel were added to the local assembly and they devoted themselves to the... They devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings. They devoted themselves to the study of God's holy word. And the apostles went to the far corners. They made disciples. The disciples taught and the disciples taught. And today you and I have reached this stage where there are, listen to me, men and women who have been given the gift of teaching. Men and women who are given the gift of teaching. Why is teaching important? Because it is through teaching. It is crucial because it is through teaching that you and I will understand the mind of God. Or it is through the word of God that God's mind, God's attitude, God's character is revealed to you and to me. And therefore it is important for church to pray that God would give us gifted teachers. Now let me explain that, okay? Listen to me carefully. Like I had mentioned, I believe the word of God teaches that God has given men and women the gift of teaching. But the avenue to exercise those gifts are very different. You get what I'm trying to say? God gives us all the gift, some of us the gift of teaching, but the avenue to exercise those gifts are different. Now teaching in itself is very different. Let me just explain that first to you. What I'm doing to you right now is teaching you God's prophecy from God's holy word. But when we came here at 9 o'clock and when we sat down, through the songs and the exhortation, we are not teaching the church. We encourage one another to worship God. You understand the difference? That's a big difference that you and I need to understand. We don't get up on a Sunday, we don't open God's word and we don't teach at that point of time and say, you know what, this is what it means. This is the original language. That's the idea there. And all of us are sitting and saying, oh wow. No. We exhort in the sense we encourage one another to draw our attention to the table. And how does the person do that when they stand up? When they stand up, they say, there is grace that comes from the Lord Jesus Christ that allows us to participate of the Lord's table. Listen to me very carefully, brothers. We who have been given that opportunity to exhort from God's holy word, it is not a time for us to talk about denominations. It is not a time for us to pull somebody down. It is not a time for us to make fun of somebody. It is only a time for us to focus on Jesus and Jesus alone. Amen? That's how it should be. It's not a time for us to stand up and talk about something that happened 200 years ago. Something that somebody did to me. No. I understand that I'm a worthless sinner. That when I sit in the presence of God, I receive His grace. And I want to take a few minutes to explain to you what that grace means. Let's be very careful when we exhort from the Word of God. There are abled men and women, elder to us, who have a lot more wisdom and knowledge. And if you and I struggle in that area, let's walk up to them. Let's talk to them about what can I correctly say. I want to make sure that I do that. None of us are perfect. None of us are far greater. Even last evening, I checked with Jochen and Rebichan about what I'm supposed to speak. Because you and I need to be careful that we speak and we are one in our mind when we exhort from the word of God. Now, women have also been given the gift of teaching. But if you read the New Testament, I don't have time for the passages. When you read the book of Timothy and Titus and 2 Timothy, there is avenues created by women, uh, uh, created for women to exercise their gift of teaching. Now listen to me carefully. 
reason why we believe that women are not supposed to teach from God's word from the pulpit is not because we think that you cannot teach better than us. No. It's not because of that. We don't look down on anybody sitting here. We believe that there are gifted teachers, uh, sisters here who can teach the word of God. And we praise you for that. The only reason why we believe it is because it is written in God's holy word. And according to me, when the Bible says no, it's just a no. I don't sit and I don't say, but what if? Maybe? Could we? Shall we? Why shouldn't we? I don't ask those questions. I obey it based on God's holy word. As a church, we have created 101 avenues where sisters can teach. And it all starts at Sunday school. I want to encourage all of you. Where's Jason? Raise your hand, Jason. Anybody can walk up to Jason because Jason is in charge of a Sunday school and you can say, boy, I would love to teach in Sunday school. Now listen to me carefully. How do you know whether you have the gift of teaching? It's not because you lose your patience with the kids. Oh, I cannot be patient, therefore I am not gifted at teaching. No. Pray to God. Because that gift has been given to you not to edify yourself, but to edify the child. And if God has given you that gift to edify the child, the child will get, will, will get impatient. God has given us all beautiful children with the shortest span of attention. And you know why God has given us these beautiful children with the shortest span of attention? It is to help whom? It is to help us to learn patience. That's the reason why. And when you start teaching in Sunday school, then there are other avenues. Sisters fellowship, men's fellowship, cell groups, one-on-one. We can talk to 101 people and all of these are avenues given by God to teach from God's holy word. Let me give you an example to help you understand. I committed my life for the ministry of the Lord at the age of 17. So when I was 17 years old, I went up to my Sunday school and I asked them, I would like to be involved in teaching in Sunday school. And that is how I started my ministry, teaching in the Sunday school. When we started teaching in the Sunday school a year or two later, I got an opportunity to teach at VBS, Vacation Bible School, meet a lot more kids. I don't say this with pride, but I am truly honored that years and years back, small boys and girls who I had the opportunity to interact with are here today as young men and women. I praise God for that. Now, you must be thinking two things in your mind. Number one, wow, we have a God who gives opportunities to people at a young age. That's true. Or you might be thinking, this guy is really old. And then from VBS, it went on to teens camp. Started teaching teens. That's where I met Tobin. And then from teens camp, it started to gospel meetings in the church, to preaching and teaching God's word. You and I must be humble enough to accept those small steps and not start at level five. You and I should have that guts to start there from the bottom. And you see the way when you commit yourself into the hand of God, how God will take you through. How God will actually take you through. And that's a beautiful experience to see years and years later when you see men and women in whose life you've invested growing in the Lord and the Lord magnificently using them. Nothing comes to us, it goes to God and God alone. Why? Because years back somebody did the same thing for did the same thing for? For me. <laughs> That's the only reason I'm standing here. So teaching is a very 
important gift. Can I encourage you just to turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verses 16. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verses 15 and 16. Listen to me carefully as I explain the word of God here. It says, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you learned it and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. Listen to me, brothers and sisters. The word of God says that God's word makes a person wise unto salvation. That means when you read from the word of God or when you listen to God's word, when a brother or a sister explains from the word of God, it makes you wise unto salvation. It allows you to understand that there is sin around this world. Not only that sin is around this world, but that I am living in sin. I was born in sin. That's what the word of God says. We were reminded in the morning today. From Romans, how you and I were born in sin and fallen short of the glory of God. But anybody who realizes, who becomes wise, whose eyes are open, I want to turn your attention to the cross of Calvary. Because if anybody confesses, if you believe that Jesus died for your sins, you will become alive. You will become spiritually alive. And God then breathes fresh air to you from his word. Is there anybody sitting here who has not yet asked the Lord Jesus to come into your life as your personal Lord and Savior. Can I think of you? Can I invite you to think of this important decision in your life? Can you take a minute and ask yourself if you become unwise in the eyes of the world? If you've been living in darkness, in sin, and in shame, probably God is speaking to your heart and God says, My dear brother, my dear sister, would you open your eyes and would you ask the Lord Jesus to come and live inside? Those of us who have experienced this life changing moment, can I encourage us? What does the word of God say? Because of the fact that God is the one who gave us the word, all scripture is breathed by God. And therefore, can we all say it together? Number one is useful for? Number two is useful for? Number three is useful for? And number four, it is useful for? The word teaching actually means to instruct a believer in the truth of God's holy word. So do we allow the word of God to reveal God's truth in my life? Number two, rebuke to show sin that is there in my life. <coughs> Remember how Ezra in the Old Testament, when he took the Old Testament, when he read the word, people who <coughs> heard the word fell to their knees in sin. They tore their clothes because they were reminded how they had fallen short of the glory of God. That's what rebuke actually means. To correct means to bring out change that is there in my life. And to train means to live in accordance to the will of God's word. Look at that verse, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training, so that we live a righteous life, so that the man of God will be thoroughly equipped for every good work. You know, we require God-given abilities or spiritual gifts to fulfill every good work. That is why you and I must discover spiritual gifts. And if there is any of us sitting here who have realized that you have the gift of teaching, exhibit it. We need gifted men and women to teach us the word of God. Because it is through those men and women who bring us edification, exhortation and comfort that would allow us to do every good work in accordance to the will of God. And before I close, can I just ask, in all that I do, 
Even when I accept the Lord Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior. Even when I continue to live a life that is worth pleasing to Him. When I exhibit my spiritual gifts. Who gets the glory? God and God alone. Yes, the glory. Shall we close in prayer? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for reminding us as how you had used apostles and prophets in the past and you used men in today as teachers who have taken over the great responsibility of exhortation, edification and comfort. But I want to come at all of us in the light of what we have heard and if any of us, myself included, have misused the word of God, if we have not... Uh, examined our own lives or taught it through our life, then we are sorry. Would you please forgive us? Would you allow us to grow in the beauty of your holy word? Father, we thank you for this blessed time that you've given us and as we continue to spend some time in fellowship, we ask that your blessings would be with us. This morning was a reminder of what is to come. And if today is that day, what a joy it would be for us who are together will now be in your presence. So if it is your desire, would you come today, Father? But Lord, for whatever reason known only to you, if you choose to tarry and teach us to live a life worth pleasing to you on the basis of what we've heard. Thank you, Father, for hearing our prayer. In Jesus Christ's holy, precious name, we ask and we pray.